0: Welcome back to Podcaster. My name is Brad Hildebrand, one of the podjocks here in Podcaster. And if you don't know what Podcaster is, it's a twenty-four hour a day radio station that broadcasts nothing but podcasts, spelled a little bit differently: P O D C A S T R R. You can listen to us streaming live twenty-four uh, seven. The radio station that is at Podcaster.fm. That's P O D C A S T R R.fm. This is an interview with Sean Hayes, interesting gentleman who made a lot of money. Went a little bit off the track Ended up in jail And now he tells a story Once again, this is Sean Hayes on Podcaster I have a guest on the phone And interesting because And I'll tell right up front who this is This is Sean Hayes Good morning, Sean, how you doing?
1: Good morning, Brad Wonderful
0: Not the Sean Hayes from the TV show, correct?
1: (laughs) Correct No, I say it's I say seanhayes.com Who spells his name right (laughs) S-H-A-U-S
0: Right Okay Right off the get-go You are, shall we say, a very controversial person. Would you deny or confirm that?
1: I would confirm that and have been all my life.
0: Have been all your life. You have a very interesting background. As a young man, you got into the banking business.
1: What, at like 29? Well, I started out of college at 20, but on my own at 29, yes. Just like you, a guy who was very entrepreneurial.
0: Guy, well, (laughs) I think you've done a lot better than I've done, but that's a whole other story. So at one point in time, uh, your claim to fame was you took a relatively small bank. Which bank was that? Allegiant Bank. Allegiant Bank, which didn't even have offices in the St. Louis area. It was mainly down, what, at Southeast Missouri? Wasn't that where it was?
1: Well, no, we started in Northeast Missouri, and and we ended up with 38 between the Arch and uh, Warrington and uh, Hazelwood and DeSoto.
0: And 38 branches? Yes, sir. And you sold that and made quite a bit of money? We did. We were very blessed. Okay. And that which, at that point in time, made you a multimillionaire? Is it safe to say that?
1: Yes, I was very, very fortunate.
0: Okay, but then things started to change for you. I got lost. You got lost. And what I want to say is how I met you, and you said that's been more than 10 years ago. What is with like 12 years ago or something like that?
1: Yeah, and I remember you even before that because as a young man, I, I live—I still live on the radio. It's the first thing I did this morning, was turn on the radio and, uh, and so I remember your reports and followed you. And then all of a sudden one day I found out you were in business for yourself. That's why I said you're an entrepreneur as well.
0: Yes. And what's interesting is you contacted me, I guess on Monday and essentially sent me a direct message. At first, there was a friend request on, on Facebook and then you DM'd me and you told me you had a new book out and I go, well, let me take a look. You sent me the press kit and I took a look at it and I go, Hey, would you want to go on the air with me Wednesday morning at 7:30? And guess what? Here we are. Right.
1: Um, and I thank you for having me. I really do. And quite honestly, I only reached out to people I knew because I've never done this before. And I was, it was gracious of you to let me come on.
0: Before I put you on the air, I asked you up front, and I just want to make sure that, that everybody knows this. I said, what's off limits? And you said? Nothing. Nothing. So, Sean, and let me tell you this story, how I met you in person. A guy by the name of Richard Miller, who ultimately you went into business with, with his banks, I believe, uh, Truman State Bank, um, called me up. Is that probably been like 12, 13 years ago? Yes, sir. And called me up and wanted to buy my radio stations. And at first, I thought he was kidding. I used to work for Richard Miller. Did I ever tell you the story of how I got fired by Richard Miller?
1: No, but it'll be funny, I'm sure.
0: I got fired on Christmas Day, 1980, by Richard Miller. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he called me on the phone and said, listen, boy, listen, boy, we don't. We won't need you anymore. Thanks for coming into Christmas, but uh, uh, this is your last day. Sorry. Bye. That was how I got fired on Christmas Day, 1980. Okay. So, so I didn't have the utmost highest opinion of Richard. So Richard calls me up one day. I thought it was a joke because, as you know, everybody in the St. Louis radio business does their Richard Miller imitation. And one of the funny things is we call each other and we pretend we're Richard. Did you know that happened?
1: No, I didn't. I, this is great. I can believe it, though. <laughs> because he had a
0: distinctive style of talking, okay? So I met you because Richard wanted to put together a deal where he was going to buy my radio stations, and you were going to essentially write the paper, fund it. Wasn't that the deal?
1: Yeah, we were we were part we looked at several radio stations uh, and then i figured out that i didn't want to be richard's partner in the radio business
0: because richard has a somewhat dubious reputation in the radio business and you said to me already off air that richard was essentially trying to i guess would it be
1: nice to say trying to screw me uh yeah tell you very much so. i never seen somebody who went into a deal and said we're going to give him this much money but i don't ever intend to pay him any of the paper that I'm giving them. And right. I was shocked.
0: And that was the deal. Richard wanted to. When Richard wanted me to take a, a loan on the station. I was going to hold the paper and he was going to pay me. And yet when I told a couple of my friends that I had this meeting with Richard Miller and he wanted to buy my stations, they all went like, did you, did you, did you make sure he didn't pickpocket you while you were in the meeting? Because that was a reputation he had. Okay, so now on to you. You make all this money. You take Allegiant Bank and you came out of that. You sold. And who did you sell that to?
1: We sold it to National City Bank, which at the time was the seventh largest bank in the country.
0: Okay, and then you started doing your own thing where you started helping
1: other banks, correct? Well, I spent four years with them, and that was the beginning of my downfall because I had been, like you, a guy on the ground, and uh, I, I like to use there's a book called Guerrilla Marketing. I looked at my business as being on the ground and touching everything, and when you spend four years with a company of 35,000, 36,000 people, um, you lose your identity, and that was the beginning of the end for me. But I didn't realize it at the time, Brad. I slowly got myself into this mess.
0: And what you did was—and let's be honest with you, uh, I'll be honest with with our audience—you just got out of prison not not that long ago, right?
1: About three years ago, yes, sir. And you were in for how long? Uh, for thirty-seven months.
0: Now I'm going to mention a name. At one point in time. I had a real estate agent who was working with me on trying to do some real estate deals, and she was a good friend with Michael Litz, and you know that name well.
1: Yes, sir, I do.
0: And you were involved with Michael Litz on quite honestly a lot of shady deals. Would that be safe to
1: say? I I would say in the gray. I don't, you know. Here's what I would say about Michael. And I said this about him thirty years ago when I first met him because his brother was is a very prominent uh, securities lawyer in town. And I said, Tom is black and white. There's fifty percent black and fifty percent white. And I said, Mike is one percent white, one percent black, and ninety-eight percent gray. And so I would agree with you, he he worked in the margin. And that's why my book's called The Great Choice.
0: Right. It and says, we'll we'll make sure and talk about the book because I was sort of fascinated to see it's not even it's not even available yet, correct?
1: Correct. It comes out uh, Tuesday the seventh.
0: But it's already on like the the Amazon bestseller list or something like that. Did you see that? Yeah.
1: I've been—I I couldn't believe it when somebody sent me that, and it's been there, just because uh, it's of interest, and it's far more interesting than I would have ever thought. I did. And the book wasn't written for this purpose. Uh, Obviously, I want to sell books, but you don't make money in the book business. You probably know more about that than I do. Right. Because you have talked to hundreds and hundreds of people about it.
0: Right. The book business used to be a a lot of money, and now you're lucky if you can make any money in the book business. Okay, so you were involved with Michael Litz, and you were involved with – he did a lot of real estate deals where he was buying houses and renting them and reselling them and stuff like that. And you both got caught. Explain what you got charged with.
1: Well, I got charged with, and I pleaded guilty to, and I was guilty of bank fraud. And here's, and this is a little background on how you get there, Brad. I, one, I'd been so successful, I didn't feel I'd do anything wrong. You got to remember that. This is, I'm, I'm trying to warn people in a way here. And two, I, uh, I, I watched the world melt down in really in 2008, and I lost, there were months where I was losing $10 million a month. And so my back's against the wall. And Michael and I had become involved in a, in, in a partnership that was going to build a target. And of course, when 2008 came target, didn't build it. And so what I did was I took and I manipulated documents in a way not to get money. I didn't get money, but I bought myself time. And in re- in reality, I bought myself literally about 11 months and, uh, and it didn't work out. And thus I was caught as I should have been. And, uh, and then there goes the party but in the banking side of the world or a financial crime it isn't like you rob a 711 or a quick trip and you know 30 minutes later they're after you or 3 minutes later it goes on for years and years and years and this happened in in uh, August of 2009 and uh, I wasn't even indicted until April of 2016
0: so essentially 7 years later yes sir now Unfortunately, this the story, you and Michael Litz were both, uh, uh, and he did he plead guilty or did he try to go to a trial? I can't remember that.
1: Well, he, he he pled guilty. What I tried to do, and this is, this is an interesting thing, if you're a court thing, is my, com- my crime was so complicated when I pled guilty, I had to actually explain it. And, and we thought at one point we could probably win because it was that complicated. The problem was is Michael had nothing related to me, had done 212 owner carry back mortgages for people in St. Louis, and he didn't pay the first mortgage, the bank. And they said, Sean, they're going to bring 212 families into this courtroom, and you're going to sit at the same table. And they don't care that you weren't involved financially. You need which way you're going to be at the same table, and you're going to get 20 years. So quite honestly, Brad, the 68 months that I pled guilty to, uh, was, was a relief. And, uh, and I'm sorry to say that
0: now the sad part of it is, I mean, a lot of this is sad to me, but, and you, I know this had to be personally, uh, devastating for you. Michael Litz and you were supposed to report to prison. Michael Litz instead rented a room out in Chesterfield and committed suicide rather than go to prison.
1: Yes, he did. And I, I will back up for a second and say one, and, and I say this in the book, I contemplated that in 2016 before I was indicted because not only did you get fired on Christmas, I found out, uh, one week before Christmas in 15, I was going to get indicted. And the lawyer I met with, this is back to another thing that your listeners, when they hear things on the news, it's true. The lawyer said, well, we can really help here, but I want a quarter million dollars to defend you. Uh, and at the time I chose not to spend that. Um, so it does, money does matter. And and Michael uh, Michael had good counsel and he pled guilty and he chose not to show up. I had a unique route, if you'll give me a minute here. When I, by the time I got to prison, um, I, was, uh, I started serving in, um, in April of 2017. By the time I got to prison in, on, on the first day of uh, summer of 18, I had I had spent 14, almost 15 months in the Warren County Jail. And so when I got to where I went to prison, I was literally the only white collar criminal who'd ever been handcuffed. I never went to court that I wasn't in shackles and handcuffed. And, uh, and Michael never spent a day incarcerated and was never handcuffed, which is common with, uh, with crimes like we committed. So I didn't have contact with him for a long time because I would have told him, it's, it can always, as I say something my dad always say, it can always be worse. But once I got there and I'd been there for a long time, it isn't as bad as what I think he thought it might have been. It's a really very sad thing. You're right.
0: The book you've come out with is called Great Choice. And essentially, you alluded to that with Michael that there's black and there's white and there's gray, and you took the gray choice.
1: I did, and and I I, look, I use the analogy. I owned a healthcare business after I was uh, out of banking after I committed the crime, and I had a friend who was a pilot, and uh, we were down in in Joplin one day. We were flying back to St. Louis, and we'd been flying for several weeks in a row. And he said, Sean, will you take the uh, you know will you we will you, will you fly the plane? And I said, Really, I don't want to, Rich. He goes, Well, something happened to me. You would need it's it very nice twin engine plane so i finally did brad and you know there's a and, and you may know a lot more about flying than i do i think given your background um he uh, he, he uh i don't know five minutes later or so he said sean i need to take over again." maybe it was 10 minutes and i was the most relieved man in the world and, he, and, <laughs> and, and and i thought it was because you know i was done and he said sean he goes i had to because you were a little off course and in a few minutes they would have scrambled f-15s from lambert because we would have been over Fort Leonard Wood, which is, which is restricted airspace. And if you, in flying, if you, leave da, if you leave Los Angeles and you fly towards D.C. and you're one degree off, you end up in New York. And what happened to me was, given the amount of years I operated in the gray, the time and the distance I traveled, I went from that light gray, which is not illegal, to the black. And, uh, and, and of course, I knew it by the time I got there, but it was so easy to flip that switch. Somebody asked me a, a few weeks ago, well, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm gonna go from, you know, being a good honest, I had a gaming license in six states, which is far harder than buying a bank. They look at everything you do to committing a crime. And the answer is no, you take one step at a time and if I may, the first day I w- or the first month I was in banking, they put us in a, uh, a class from a big company that personality test us. And the first question was, have you sold anything from this company? And most of the men and women in the room had been there for months. I'd been there for maybe a couple of weeks. And I answered no. And then I asked the guy the question about, uh, the, the gentleman administering the test about this question. And he said, you have to answer yes. And of course, I said, why? And he said, because at some point you will steal something and When you think about that, Brad, it starts with a pen or a notepad and then I remember very early on a guy that was older than I was set me up on a blind date and we took girls to the baseball game on the bank. Of course I gave him like 90 dollars in cash to pay for mine. I noticed he paid with a company credit card and it's just that one step and that one step and that one step and then one day I woke up and I'd done something uh, horrible and, so, uh, and I paid a terrible price.
0: So you've been out of, of jail for how long do you say you getting now? Three years. okay, the book. You come out with this book, and here's here's an interesting question: Are you familiar with what they call the "Son of Sam" law?
1: Um, well, I know I, I pay restitution every month. I do, yeah. Okay, but do you know
0: about what the "Son of Sam" law is?
1: Yeah, you can't you can't you can't make money on your crime,
0: correct? Right. So, are you making money with this book?
1: Like I said, I don't think it will make money. I wrote the book for this reason, and, and there's two reasons. The first reason is, and I say it at the end: if I keep one person from making the decisions that I made over time and not going through what I did and not suffering the consequences, mainly that in my case it's it's consequences my children have had to suffer, uh, then it was all worth it. Secondly, uh, Brad, is uh, seven years ago when I was um, at that bridge that Michael Litz was on, I called a woman in in Dallas who runs a large speakers bureau and told her I had these problems. I I just had known her through hiring her firm. You know, Didn't know her well. Um, and uh, never even had dinner with her, you know, one of those kind of things. And she said, Sean, write a book. You've had an interesting life. And I, my answer was this. I said, Gail, I'm not that interesting. Well, when you're in prison, you read a lot. And I read dozens and dozens of books. And I said, well, I'm still not that interesting. I'm that, not that interesting. But I'm a lot more interesting than these other people. And so what the intent of the book is, is one, to help somebody. And two, you start talking to groups about it. So really it was to change... To become, a, to become a speaker and to have a speaking career.
0: And that's what you're doing right now with me? Yes, sir. Except I'm not paying you. <laughs> no, no.
1: And, 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 and by the way, I, I speak for free. I speak for money. But it's about getting the story out there of that. Really, to me, that summation of that airplane flight is exactly what people do. I don't, you know, 99.9% of people don't wake up and decide to do something wrong. There are people who do. They're wired that way. I, I totally believe that. But most people just get there one step at a time. I, I'm meeting uh, in, in next week with a gentleman who's very famous and Matt Damon played in the movie. And uh, and he I think he's gonna tell me the same story. I've, I've only seen the movie. I'm getting ready to read his book. But I think he just got there one step at a time. And uh, And I don't want people to do that. It's the consequences. It's the law, as I call it, the law of unintended consequences. And I would have experienced that with Richard Miller. You know, had, had he done what he did, because, you know, the more I got into it, I thought, he doesn't want to buy this. He wants to take advantage of someone. And is even though I committed a crime by then, that isn't how I chose to do business.
0: And the person and, he, uh, and the person he wanted to take advantage of
1: was me, right? Exactly. And you, <laughs> yeah. were, gra- and you were gracious to forgive me for, for sitting in a meeting going, oh, my God, he wants you to do that? So...
0: Well, look, look, Sean, I appreciate you uh, reaching out for me. I'm a guy who, once again, has done things in my life that I'm not proud of. And I think everyone, if they really have that meeting with the man upstairs... Everyone can say the same thing. You know, one of my favorite things is let he was out sins cast the first stone. I'm not saying what you did was good, bad, indifferent. I think it's interesting that you were being very upfront about it. And I think that that's what, um, you know, makes life interesting, that you can take a wrong turn and you can say, okay, I screwed up. And hopefully I'm back on the right track, right?
1: Correct. And then I will tell you in closing, surround yourself with people who will hold you accountable. Because all those years I had that, And then as I began to get lost, I didn't have anyone around me and left to my own devices. I really screwed up.
0: Sean Hayes and the book you were spelled, and this is your website as well too, S-H-A-U-N-H-A-Y-E-S. It's seanhayes.com. Did I get that correct? Yes, sir. And the book is on Amazon. You can pre-order it right now. comes out, what, February 7th, I think you said? Yes, sir. Sean, appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Brad, thank you. Have a wonderful day. Uh Bye-bye.
0: That's Sean Hayes, a guy who once upon a time was a multimillionaire, uh, a banker who did exceptional things and then went a little bit astray, uh, lost a lot of his money, ended up in jail. He's now got a book out called The Gray Choice. That's Gray, G-R-A-Y. And Sean Hayes is S-H-A-U-N-H-A-Y-E-S. You can find him at that web address, seanhayes.com. His book, The Gray Choice, is out right now. You can find it on Amazon. You're listening to Podcaster. It's a radio station, a real, live, honest-to-goodness over-the-air radio station. Radio station that's also streaming on Podcaster.fm and Podcaster is spelled P-O-D-C-A-S-T-R-R. Podcaster.fm. The web address is Podcaster.com. More podcasts are coming up.